You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Grand Rising, everyone. Welcome to the David Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I want to welcome you to an amazing episode on this Thursday for all of you. I'm excited because I got some great guests in the building. We got Benjamin Hunter of Northwest Folklife. We're going to be talking about Northwest Folklife and his work there. Uh, also, I'm excited because Ken West is in the building and we're going to be highlighting his story around sickle cell, how he's been an amazing advocate and speaker and also someone who was born with so we get to talk to him about his lived experience. Mm. But of course, y'all mm. know it is the top of the show. So it's a great time right now to tag and share the stream. Yes, you get to participate with us, y'all. Go ahead, tag and share the stream for those who you feel could benefit from this daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. If you can't watch our TV show, we still have you covered because you can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network and The Day with Trey. You'll find me on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Apple Music, whichever platform is your favorite. Go ahead and search for us and you'll find us there. Well, up next, y'all, is someone who has joined me many times here uh, in the studio, the Black Media Matter Studios on my living room set to talk about all the great work of Northwest Folk Life. And I'm excited that he is back to share some more, uh, you know, adventures of Northwest Folk Life with us today. Up next is Benjamin Hunter joining me. What's up, Benjamin? How are we doing, Trace? Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you always. Um, you know, I really want to talk to you because we've shared a little bit about you and how you got into the role um, there at Northwest Folk Life, artistic director. Yep. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about this role really entails for Northwest. Cause I think a lot of folks are thinking about it as, oh, it's just this thing that happens yep. at a certain point in time of the year, but y'all are planning the entire year. Tell us yep. more about how your role really fits into all of that. We get to experience outwardly in community. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I you know, I took on this role, um, being a, a performing musician and, and really existing in a lot of the, you know, kind of folk uh, worlds and blues and, and, and American roots music. But, you know, my, my impression of folk music is that it's whatever people are doing at any given point in time that, that helps them find community and identity and, and, and shape and shape, a a uh, um, uh, an environment for folks. So that's what we're trying to do with folk life. You know, initially I was going to come up here and, and, um, and talk to you about this event that we were going to host on Saturday called the cypher, um, which was a celebration of the, of the folk of hip hop. Um, we ended up postponing the event just because of weather and it was going to be outside and we were going to have break dancing and double Dutch and just didn't want to deal with the, the, the harm uh, that could happen under wet conditions. But I think it speaks to a larger um, level of programming that we're trying to do throughout the year um, so that people understand that, you know, folk isn't just this four day thing that happens once a year. It's a thing that happens every day. Um, people are making music, they're making, they're, they're dancing, they're making food, um, they're, they're creating poetry, creating wonderful things every day. And folk life just wants to um, engage in that. Um, and, and give people more opportunities to engage in that. But also, I think more fundamentally, um, we want to ensure that folks know that this is, these are jobs for people. 
These are careers for people. These are these are professions that people um, that people do. This isn't just hobbies in people's backyards. This is stuff that people work on day in and day out and craft that into perfection. And we want to highlight that for people so that people get paid, but then also so that people get to get to experience it. Well, I, I, this is why I really see Northwest Folk Live as such a conduit, right? Mm-hmm. Because honestly, there needs to be that base uh, that these performers and artists and everyone can actually tap in with yeah. in order to have this knowing like, okay, that's coming up mm-hmm. and they need to be able to plan accordingly, right? Because yeah. you are so right in terms of this being how they are paying their bills, yeah. living um, in general, you know, making sure their families are thriving. All of that is really important. And it allows us to see artists just like ourselves, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of folks, this kind of, I want to talk about this now, the, yep. the narrative of the starving artist, yep. which I, I'm so glad that we're really beginning to dismantle yep. because it is not something that we should be accepting, right? And and it can't be that only those who hit this major mark, uh, you know, recording labels and, you know, or visual artists who are like at this certain level, Picasso, yeah. all this. It's like, no, actually, there's a lot of great folks locally who are doing these kinds of artistic works. Yep. And they, too, deserve to be able to make a living through their creativity, yep. not as a side hustle, not that they are, you know, they have a full time. They do this in the evening. Yep. Sure. Maybe that's how they start. But I think it's important that we really dismantle this narrative of the starving artists. Right. Absolutely. Well, and and part of to, part of that dis, dismantling is 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 place is 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 re re transforming our minds so that we understand that uh, the, uh, the value proposition that that arts holds for the city. You know, you can look into the facts, but 2019, um, Seattle put out a creative economy report that demonstrated that that showed that. Um, creative enterprise in the city made up 18% of, of GRP for the city. That's significant compared to the 4% that is the national the national rating. So it's like Seattle, I mean, we know all, all the stuff that happens in the city. We all we know all the, you know, all, all, all the innovations and, and creativity that flows through the bloodstream of the city. And and yet we still find it hard to uh, get past this starving artist mentality or this or this this uh, conception of what folk arts is um, versus popular arts, you know, the, the Beyonce's, the Picasso's, the folks, I mean, th- those are great and we want that and we love that and we need that. And we also need to know that there is a whole community um, of artists that those artists came out of and they were just given right opportunities in, in, in the right time. Yeah. And we just need to be able to create that for everybody else as well. And that's what Folk Life is trying to do at the festival but also year round in collaboration and in partnership with other venues with other organizations, other businesses, so that we, so that we raise that value proposition of, of arts in this, in this region. Well, it is necessary. And I love how you just talked about it being a regional approach, because that's something I really want to tackle next here. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think about, you know, we, we see Seattle as such a, it's a major part of what Washington state is known for. Yeah. It's Seattle, right? Yeah. It's the only Seattle in the country in terms of the name of the city. Yeah. There's so many unique characteristics of Seattle. And yet this is where I'm always saying other cities in our state have an opportunity to really learn from some of the the platforms and the approaches that 
folks within the city of Seattle are taking like Northwest Folk Life. Tell us a bit more about how maybe some of the work that y'all are doing, maybe there's other cities that are tapping in. I know there's artists coming from all over the region. Tell us about maybe how other cities can really learn a lesson from some of the ways that y'all are building the relationships in in terms of the artists that y'all are able to showcase. Because it's brilliant to see so many different artists, right? Mm -hmm. They're not all coming from Seattle Mm -hmm. and Northwest Folk Life is Northwest. Mm-hmm. So it's really establishing that yeah. that understanding that this is an opportunity to showcase all kinds of artists. But I think that there's also an opportunity for cities to be learning more in terms of maybe how they can either tap in, support this because it is about the Northwest yeah. or how they can be doing some of these things in their own city. You know, that, that brings up a really, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think it's a two-way street because, um, you know, I, I come from I come from grassroots arts organizing. You know, I, I worked in the South End, Hillman City Collaboratory, Columbia City, um, you know, Black and Tan Hall. We we work in 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 this in this small space. Um, and then when you expand to something like Northwest Folk Life that encompasses the Pacific Northwest, Northern California, Oregon, Washington, Alaska, Hawaii, Idaho, Western Montana, you know, you're 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 that's a, that's a huge difference. And I think, I think there's two, there's two answers to that question. There are, there are plenty of things that, that smaller communities could learn from organizing, um, and, and relationship building in a city. Um, and, and I think it's necessary for cities to do that, especially in the world of competitive grants. Um, you know, money's tight, like collaboration, cooperation, collective organizing, um, is in my opinion is the way of the future and and how arts can help raise that value proposition um but i also think that that's a little bit more inherent in smaller in smaller towns and smaller cities because they have to and because they have those relationships you know it's just like when i first moved to seattle and i moved you know and i went to columbia city you know i got off the bus to go to my job interview and immediately i was talking to people like immediately people were saying, good morning, good afternoon, how you doing? But, you know, it, that's the community. And I feel like those are the types of things that you find in smaller communities because that's just the nature of the ethos of that. Of that. And so I think it's a two-way street. I mean, I think, I think that there are elements that we can bring from smaller communities that, that, that represent our beloved community, that represent the kind of beloved community that we want to have with people versus like, you know, cell phones, walking down the street, ear, ear pods in, not looking at, at the world. Um, but I mean, I, I think to me, that's the strategy that I want to, um, I want to keep working on as folk, folk life grows, you know, like the COVID money is running out. Um, and, and we're back into that, that like highly competitive kind of grant process that nonprofits and, and organizing organizations are, are into and are, are, are subject to. And to me, the, the path forward is, is like, you know, this is why we have relationships and, and partnerships with ACT Theater. This is why we're doing a monthly uh, program at Metier Brewing. This is why we're doing a, a bi-monthly program at Seattle Town Hall. This is why we're like trying to make these relationships with folks in Tacoma and Olympia and Bellingham and Yakima and Spokane down in Portland. Um, those are all in the works because, you know, it takes it takes it, it takes a team. Well, I really appreciate y'all's approach. I think it's so important, especially as we uplift artistry, but also about providing the opportunity Mm -hmm. for all of these artists in the region Mm -hmm. of the Pacific Northwest to really have a space that Mm -hmm. they can know 
is there and it's built for them. Yep. And I think there's something so special about how that relationship takes shape for all of yep. us to be able to experience the amazing stages y'all put together yep. and all of the works that y'all are doing. So kudos to y'all for making you. all that happen. Of course, I got to give you a second here. Look right in that camera. Let folks know how they continue to stay plugged in and tap yep. in with Northwest Folk Life. Yeah, I, 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 a quick, a quick, a quick shout. You know, we have our applications open right now for for the Folk Life Festival, but it's not just for the Folk Life Festival. We've redesigned and created proprietarily our own um, database and system over this last year, so that when you sign on to apply for our festival, you're actually creating an artist profile, and that artist profile will go into a database so that we have your information, so that we can contact you and get a hold of you when we find new gigs that you might fit for. So please sign up. Please fill out your artist uh, application for that, and also. Also, just know that we are creating an asset map um, right now so that in Tacoma, uh, you know, Olympia, Seattle, and eventually as many cities as we can and identifying all the venues, all the organizations, all the events that are going on that we think people should be paying attention to so that we're, you know, becoming an advocacy for all the creative enterprise that's going on in the city. So please sign up on the on, on our applications, uh, nwfolklife.org. It's real, it's real easy. Um, applications uh, close mid-November. Um, so we want to make sure that you uh, get in there so that we can get you into the festival. Wow, that is phenomenal, Ben. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this amazing work and opening up the opportunities to now be a real hub yeah. for this activity so folks know where to plug in with. Yeah. Man, anytime you got, uh, you know about what's going on on the ground, Dick. please come back Dick. and share it with us and share it with our audience because I think that's so important for, yeah. for the day with Trey to also be plugged in. So we're always here for y'all. Absolutely, I appreciate you. Absolutely. Y'all, I told you we're going to get started off to a great start there and it's going to just continue because Mr. Ken West is in the building. He'll be joining me up next, telling us more about his own lived experience with sickle cell and also giving us some insight so we can all know how to stay plugged in with sickle cell awareness and the entire organization that is monitoring and helping those who are living with sickle cell as well. Y'all stay tuned right after this short break. You don't want to miss this. You're watching The David Trey. Hey, I'm Basil Gordon. You may have heard my voice on Hits 106.1 or seen me on Converge Media, but now I'm coming to TV. I'm hosting the newest show on Fox 13 called Back to Basa. Check us out every weekend for the hottest topics, interviews, the latest trends, and uplifting stories. We're going to have so much fun, and teens, we got you too. Back to Basa, Saturday nights, 10.30 on Fox 13, and Sundays at 10 a.m. on Fox 13+. Plus. I learned about the ANU program through many different community organizations. The program, um, they're very good at making sure that you meet the right people. My favorite part would have to be the community building um, and also the volunteer opportunities as well. I've been working on my physical health a lot more. I've been intentional about that and they're very big on that. I'm still learning how transformational it is um, because there's just so much opportunity. It's a great program and they will support you. Visit the link at the end of this video to learn more. Town is the Tony and Grammy Award-winning Best Musical. It's an epic celebration of music, togetherness, and hope. A Broadway musical like no other. This is as good as it gets. Hades Town. Playing the Paramount Theater October 31st to November 5th. Tickets at stgpresents.org. 
Big tobacco thinks they know everything. They think they know you, your community, the places you go, the way that you spend your time. They think they got you all figured out, down to a formula, a calculation based off of numbers of what they think they know. Show them they're wrong. Learn more at they think they know you dot org. Get ready for a night of solid gold with the Temptations and the Four Tops. Same night, same stage. The Temptations and the Four Tops together live. Welcome back, everyone, to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. Joining me right now is Mr. Ken West. Hi, Ken. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Black Media Matters Studios here. So glad that you could join me today. Now, you do a lot of work when it comes to sickle cell, and I just want to give a brief moment here to talk about the history that you have personally experienced with sickle cell and why you become such a major speaker and advocate uh, so folks are more aware through your lived experience. Uh, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here today. Um, my experience with sickle cell began here in Seattle. Um, I am 64 years old now and born with sickle cell. There are about 100,000 of us in the United States with sickle cell, and there are millions more worldwide with sickle cell. Um, I did not meet anyone else with sickle cell in, in Seattle until my mid-20s. And uh, that made me feel uh, lonely, and there was not a lot of information about sickle cell actually out there. Um, my family didn't know a whole lot about sickle cell. I didn't know a whole lot about sickle cell and it has been a, a journey, I'll just say that. Um, when I moved out of the house when I was 18, that be really began my journey. That is, um, started with finding a doc that knew about sickle cell and there really uh, wasn't any. So I found a, a PCP that didn't know anything about sickle cell, but was willing to learn. And that really kind of was the first step into the real sickle cell world. Now for people that don't know, uh, sickle cell anemia uh, is a, uh, disease of the red blood cell and typically your red blood cells are round and smooth and flow through your veins very uh, easily. But with sickle cell anemia, a percentage of my red blood cells um, are sickle shaped and sticky and rigid. And so what happens is that throughout the body, those cells stick together and it can cause uh, lots of different things from stroke to acute chest syndrome to um, uh, uh, avascular necrosis, which is basically, well, well the blood gets, uh, doesn't go to your, like a joint. Like, for example, I've had uh, hip replacements when I was 30, uh, simply because that those joints were not getting enough uh nutrients and oxygen and so the bone dies so that's one 
just one possible thing that happens with sickle cell? Well, this is really informative because I think um, as you, you know, people have maybe heard of sickle cell anemia and didn't understand some of the ways that it impacts the body. Uh, and I always understood it with the sickle shaped blood cells, but never really understood the impacts of that. And so I really appreciate you kind of going through some of that history with us as you, uh, you know, grew up with sickle cell and you said, you know, meeting the first person um, that also had sickle cell in your 20s, there was so, I, I, obviously some point of time where you were like, I need to really be an advocate. I need to be speaking out more about this so more people are aware. Tell us more about that transition there and why you still do it to this day. Well, uh, because sickle cell is also a, a orphan disease, uh, meaning that there are not a whole lot of people that have it, um, there is not a whole lot of knowledge in certain areas. And uh, we're lucky here in Seattle to have a lot of uh, docs and uh, nurses and people that know about sickle cell, but it's concentrated in the Seattle area. And so as a result of that, you really need to learn enough and a lot about sickle cell yourself because there's a lot of misinformation out there. For example, uh, some people think that we people with sickle cell are more pro uh, predisposed to be drug addicts, which is a fallacy uh, simply because of the uh, protocols that they use to treat us. Um, but uh, if you are not your own advocate, because really you live with it, so you know your body better than anyone else. And you need to be able to convey what your experiences have been, who's been treating you, how you can get better, and convey that in a way that uh, people can understand. Um, especially in when you're talking to medical professionals, because they have been trained to be the subject matter experts. And the fallacy is, is that they are subject matter experts on everything. That is not true, right? A lot of them have a lot of general knowledge, but you know, for sickle cell, well, maybe not so much, right? So we have to be the ones that advocate for ourselves. You have to be able to know what works for you, what your history has been, what doctors and nurses you have dealt with, and be able to convey that in a form that people can understand. Um, and, uh, and it's difficult because typically we show up at the ER and it's not our best day, right? It's not your best day when you show up at the ER. So you have to be able to try to put um, those things aside and try to advocate for yourself. If you do not advocate for yourself, no one else will. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, such a great point here. And, you know, it's interesting because you know, not enough people talk about the knowledge sharing between 
patient and doctor, where the doctor is learning because of your lived experience. And you're actually expanding the overall general knowledge that doctors can then share amongst themselves to begin to identify how to care for their patients who may also be having, who may also have sickle cell. So I just really appreciate that perspective because we don't talk about that enough. And, you know, my family always says, well, it says they're practicing medicine because it's a practice, right? Exactly. Like they are literally practicing some of these things but based on what they do know. But there's a lot that's not known. And this is why you can also have folks who will say, oh, my goodness, doctors will say that was a miracle. We never expected this or that to happen with regard to some phenomenon that they can't really identify. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to really uh, to, to hone in on that. And I'm glad that you're out there sharing that perspective so that people as they're in the audience, when you're speaking and talking with you, they're really getting that understanding. Um, When you think about the ways that all of us, you know, other people can begin to get informed, Mm -hmm. get engaged more with sickle cell. What are some of those pathways for us and for those who really may not have a great understanding of sickle cell anemia? Well, if you want to know a lot more about sickle cell, uh, we have the Metropolitan Seattle Sickle Cell Task Force, uh, mssctf.org on the web. Uh, we have a Facebook page as well. Uh, you can contact us. Um, you can also uh, contact the great people at Odessa Brown. Shout out at Odessa Brown Clinic. Love you guys. Um, and uh, find out uh, a hematologist. Uh, that is local uh, at the uh, Fred Hutch. They, uh, Dr. Fertrin, shout out to Dr. Fertrin out there, Dr. Bender, um, and uh, a lot of nurse practitioners uh, that do have knowledge specific to sickle cell are out there. Um, but I would start with the task force. We are a grassroots organization. Uh, we were founded in 1994. Uh, by three nurses that uh, worked at Odessa Brown Clinic that were really interested in sickle cell and really wanted to uplift people with sickle cell and and really create more knowledge around uh, sickle cell here in the Northwest. Um, So a shout out to uh, Carol Flanagan, uh, Gertrude Dawson, and Elizabeth Thomas. Uh, Without them, uh, the task force would not exist. And I am just fortunate to be a part of the task force and be able to tell my story and help others tell their stories about sickle cell because people just don't know. And, you know, we, those of us with sickle cell, some of us won't, won't say anything, right? We don't look like we have sickle cell, right? Or anything like that. But if you ask us a question, we will definitely answer. Um, The thing is, though, is that we are really interested in uplifting people uh, with sickle cell, their lives, their experiences, uh, so that they can convey their experiences to others. Because, uh, like I said, I didn't meet my first person with sickle cell until... I was in my mid-20s. Now we have created a community of people with sickle cell. And it is 
absolutely fantastic. Um, we have a sickle cell camp. So their kids with sickle cell get to meet each other. A lot of them have not met anyone else with sickle cell either. So, you know, you see that light bulb come on and you see that camaraderie build and it's exciting. It's exciting to see. And they make lifelong friendships there. And that is uh, a great thing to see. This is amazing. Ken, I just appreciate you for sharing your insight, your lived experience with us all today, and also the resources that we can tap into. Uh, thank you so much for being out here, for being a staunch advocate, uh, for being on that task force and really uh, ensuring that we have these pathways where we can all tap in, learn more, and then be a resource as we may have someone in our family that may have sickle cell. How can we be supportive and how can we be an advocate for them. You've given us some solutions here today. So I really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you. Without you and others uh, giving us a, a precipice or a dais to speak about sickle cell, it, it would all be quiet. Yeah. And we don't want that quiet. We want to be loud. We want to tell our stories. We want people to know what happens to those of us that do have sickle cell. And, and to be clear, uh, sickle cell is a deadly disease. We have lost so many great people through uh, having sickle cell, and uh, we do not want that to uh, continue. So we're wanting to increase advocacy. We want to increase education. We want to increase, increase research as well, uh, because that is really what's going to make it better for all of us with sickle cell. Absolutely. Can 100%. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. Oh, my goodness, y'all. Uh, I just love when I get to be right here in the Black Media Matter studios on my living room set and learn so much. I get to wrap all this up right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. I learned about the ANU program through many different community organizations. The program, um, they're very good at making sure that you meet the right people. My favorite part would have to be the community building um, and also the volunteer opportunities as well. I've been working on my physical health a lot more. I've been intentional about that and they're very big on that. I'm still learning how transformational it is um, because there's just so much opportunity. It's a great program and they will support you. Visit the link at the end of this video to learn more. Welcome back, everyone, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I want to thank my guests today, Mr. Benjamin and Mr. Ken, both of them for being on and sharing some insight. You know, it's always great for me to be here in this seat. I'm telling y'all, and to hear from the amazing folks who are doing great things in our community. You know, many of you may have known of Northwest Folk Life, but to understand that they are doing things year-round and also bridging the gap for so many different areas in this region region to highlight the amazing artists that we have. Of course, uh, you know, they're working to put that cipher on and figuring that out, but I'm glad that he was here to give us some more insight about some of the detailed work that they've been doing as a organization to not only open up these different opportunities for artists to showcase their artworks, but also to be a hub now to really allow artists to register and create a profile that then allows them to get even more exposure 
exposure and understand some of the amazing events that they can tap into throughout the region. So that's really exciting. Um, but also, I just I got to thank Ken, too. I mean, to learn of his personal history, his story with being born with sickle cell and how he's now such a strong advocate, a speaker and a mentor for others who are also living with sickle cell. It's important for us to find the ways for us to be engaged and educated and also uh, be a support to those who may be living with sickle cell. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a young cousin who has sickle cell. And for me, I just thought, wow, do they, does my family know about this camp? So after this, I'm making a phone call. You already know, because now I'm more informed. And that's really what we want to do here is not only create impact media, but on the day with Trey, I really want y'all to be walking away with something you may have never heard of, maybe didn't know about. And then it gives you the precipice and the opportunity to dive in more, figuring out, well, wait a minute, how can I maybe bring my my brilliance here or how can I share this knowledge with someone else who may really benefit from it? That's what it's about. So you know I was inspired by their stories today. I encourage all of you to also feel that inspiration so you too can find your way to see yourself as a part of the solution of course. And for me y'all until tomorrow at 11am Peace <laughs> Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.